Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, hello, hello. It is Wednesday, September the 11th of 2019. So today is a pretty big day. Just let everybody know if you wish to contact us, you can write us an email at jcandshaman at gmail.com. That is jc and shaman at gmail.com. Uh, because it is 9-11, I figured we'd talk about some 9-11 stuff today. If anybody wishes to speak, just raise your hand. And we're really liberal here. So, uh, <clears throat> of course, 18 years ago, I bet pretty much everybody who, who was living their adult life at that moment in time um, remembers where they were, what they were doing on 9-11. That morning I was actually sleeping and I woke up and my girlfriend who was getting ready for work um, had the TV on and I was like, what's going on? So I couldn't believe that uh, the Twin Towers were coming down. It was pretty insane. So of course we all, or most of us saw that happen and nobody saw the first building get hit because nobody was looking at the twin towers when the first building got hit so and everybody saw the second building get hit because all cameras were on the twin towers when the second building got hit now there are a lot of people who talk about conspiracy theories and it's definitely been kind of a dividing factor in our society having you know 9-11 and and who believes the official story who doesn't believe the official story and uh i think it's really interesting when people when i'm talking to somebody about 9-11 and and they're like you're one of those conspiracy theorists so whenever somebody does that i always like to look at them and say uh, well which conspiracy theory do you believe and Obviously, because they're calling me a conspiracy theorist, they, they don't really understand what I'm saying. And 
they go ahead and say something to well i don't believe a conspiracy theory i believe the official report you know what really happened and after they they say that and typically they get a little emotional i always bring up to them well you know technically you still believe a conspiracy theory because what you're saying is that you believe you know 19 different people conspired to get on four different airplanes hijack them fly two of them into the to the twin towers one into the pentagon and another one we don't know where it was going so that that's still a conspiracy and it's it's still a theory because the government has never released any photos or videos of of people walking through the airport getting onto the airplanes it's never been verified that the people who did those things that they're accused of or, or allegedly did actually did those things and uh, i'm not i'm not necessarily saying that they did not because i don't know what happened personally but i find a couple of things really interesting and one of them i got this t-shirt and it says it has a silhouette of the twin towers on the front and it says larry silverstein and it has a picture of larry silverstein made seven billion dollars off the attacks on 9-11 and that was through uh insurance policies against terrorist attacks and he also sued american airlines for a loss of business now you can also look up and a lot of places will say that oh well he got this money to rebuild world trade center one well that's not true because he was only leasing the twin towers from the new york port authority and the New York Port Authority built World Trade Center One, not Larry Silverstein. And uh, yeah, Larry Silverstein actually was released from the lease. He never even paid for for one month's rent of the lease of the Twin Towers because um, he was released from the lease after the attacks happened. And uh, he actually had a company before the attacks that were in the Twin Towers. And miraculously, that company moved out a month before the 9-11 the attacks happened. And uh, another thing I also like to point out to people is the 28-page uh, declassified report. And that's one thing that I got to give Obama a little bit of credit for is declassifying the 28 pages from the 9-11 commission report. Because in the 28 pages, it clearly shows that not only did we know that Afghanistan and Iraq had really nothing to do with 9-11, but it shows pretty unequivocally that Saudi Arabia did have something to do with 9-11. And in fact, Saudi Arabia, from legislation that the United States government has passed, Saudi Arabia and Saudi Arabian citizens are immune from being sued from 9-11 family victims because there's so much linking what happened on 9-11 with different people inside of the Saudi government and inside of Saudi businesses and royalty and all of that stuff and, and let's not forget last... players in the united states that did it sorry i'd throw that in there uh, well we'll get to that in a minute and at the very least it's like uh you know 
we've known since 2003 when the 9-11 commission report was published that saudi arabia had a lot to do with it and that these other countries we went to war with really didn't have anything to do with it and of course we're still in bed with saudi arabia we we use them for oil and they use us for a military source but you know we we've never done anything to saudi arabia or about saudi arabia over the 9 11 attacks and before i hand it over to sean and let him talk about the players on this side of the fence i'd just like to say for anybody who had a family member in the twin towers when when 9-11 happened i'm truly sorry that was a needless act of violence and you know i wish it would have never happened but we can't change the past go ahead sean well i mean i'm no i just i'm no expert on any of it but i mean you had so many firemen and hundreds of witnesses that you know gave the exact same statements about explosions going off in the lobby and in the basements like William Rodriguez who even won a uh, I believe he won like a medal of what do they call it for the civilians like the medal of honor merit or something anyway I don't remember the medal but he won a medal and like Bush awarded it to him and he was like a big guy and then he goes on these other things and he's a whistleblower talking about how there's all these other explosions and uh i mean there's photos and everything uh with fuses up in the trade centers in the 70s for detonating devices when they were doing like an art program and a couple of those guys were former Mossad agents and not to mention just common sense i'm pretty sure saudi arabia or anybody else involved couldn't shut the united states military airspace down so that all these planes could do all this stuff and then you got to think that the bushes were in bed with the bin ladens doing business with them in oil and other things. So I think it's pretty obvious that there was some kind of conspiracy. And uh, you just think about what the United States was like 18 years ago relative to how it is today. And I think you can see cause and effect or the Hegelian dialectic, right? Problem, reaction, solution. So I think all the just common sense is there to show that there had to be somebody on the inside and who benefited, which that was some of the names you talked about earlier. Yeah, and I think it's interesting when people kind of talk about, you know, the government being in the conspiracy because, I mean, I agree with you. Somebody had to have called off the planes or, you know, told the planes not to attack. and. Uh, of course, they were on a, a training exercise that day, so which kind of tends to happen when when things like this happen. So there's a training exercise going on, which is why the government can't respond as quickly as say they should. Um, but it, in my opinion, it's not necessarily the government. Like you have a lot of people out there that go around talking about this big conspiracy with the government. And they talk about it like everybody who's in the government knows about it and knows what's going on. And personally, I don't believe that. I think that there's just a few key players. When something like this happens, it's kind of like when the CIA does an operation overseas, everybody's on a need-to-know basis. And if you don't need to know, you don't know what, you know, it's, it's the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. 
a lot of times. <clears throat> so I, I just wish to clarify that. I don't know if you wish to add to that, Sean. No, I mean, that's what I was saying. Some Somebody in the government, and I mean, all the players, I mean, who benefited? Dick Cheney, uh, Halliburton, who put, who put what they call them, short options on the airlines, uh, the Bush family, the Bin Laden family. I mean, you know, the same players as, all the time and all the stuff, running drugs in the CIA. Who was that? Clinton and Bush. I mean, it was always the same people. Before that, it was the Kennedys and Nixon and Bush and all those guys back in the 60s and the 50s. It's like over and over and over again, American royalty. Well, it's like just like any good cop should know. Whenever a crime takes place, uh, who's your first suspects? Well, typically, you look at who has the ability to do it. You know, like if somebody doesn't have the ability to commit a crime, you don't even look at them. And I think it's just absurd to think that somebody hiding in a cave, you know, half a world away with a radio and maybe a cell phone could pull something that, you know, that detailed off. Hey, all I know is 18, 19 years later, my damn cell phone still gets crappy service in some places. That's all I'm saying. I'm pretty sure that can't reach somebody in the cave in Afghanistan. All right. Well, personally, I think that uh, Osama bin Laden was probably already dead when well, they said he was. one happened. Yeah, they and said I he know, was. Remember? They were... Well, I but... know for a fact that the CIA saw him on dialysis and in 1998 and i don't know if you've ever known somebody with dialysis but uh dialysis when somebody's living on dialysis it's it's really hard and to the best of my knowledge i don't think that people can live for years on dialysis that's kind of a short-term thing until they can get you a kidney or some other type of treatment yeah my old man was on di dialysis and he made it right at two years. He just died, uh, what, about a month ago? Three weeks ago, a month ago. So, and he had to be at the hospital like almost every day. Yeah, because when you're on dialysis, what they do is they like take your blood out and filter it because basically people are on dialysis who, you know, don't have a working kidney don't have anything to filter their blood. So oh, and then there's this, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, there, there's this other ironic thing called math. And buildings that big don't fall in eight seconds or ten seconds, free fall speed without something happening underneath. It just doesn't work that way. you got to move the, the debris out of the way underneath it before you can bring the top part down. It just... It just doesn't work that way. You know, I actually think that that's funny because I remember arguing with my dad about that. And because uh, they call it the pancake theory, right? That, you know, yeah, all, it's the, theory. Yeah, all of the floors are collapsing on top of each other with so much weight that it basically blows everything underneath them away. And uh, 
PBS actually did a show talking about how silly the 9-11 conspiracy theories are. And when they were showing the pancake theory, I thought it was hilarious. And I pointed this out to my dad. I had to rewind it and show him over again a couple of times. But uh, the Twin Towers had steel columns in the middle of the building to keep the structure from collapsing, even if it got hit by an airplane. Because when they built the Twin Towers, they thought that it could be hit by 737 at some point in time because it's pretty close uh, to the path of the JFK runway. And um, when you saw the demonstration that they had on the computer, the steel columns in the middle didn't come down. It was just all of the uh, floors around those steel columns. <laughs> And if you throw in those steel columns, then of course, if you go back and look at the pictures and you see the steel columns that are sticking up out of the debris and out of the ground, they look like they have a 45 degree cut, like almost a perfect cut, um, as if somebody were, were using a chainsaw to chop down a tree. Well, you can see the metal dripping. That doesn't happen with kerosene, which is basically what diesel or uh, jet fuel is it doesn't burn hot enough not only that but it's like taking an aluminum can and slamming it into an iron post what's going to happen to the aluminum can the only thing it would have done major damage would be the engines and they never found those they did find those uh ids though yeah well, i mean i'm sure that the engines probably got ripped apart like going through the building and, uh, well, they didn't find that size engine. Let's put it that way. No, those engines are titanium. I think on the outside of them or something like that. They're like really, really stout. Like they don't just disintegrate. But even so, it ain't gonna. It's. I wouldn't do that. The building wouldn't fall like that. Even the firemen well, were like, what? I know that. Uh, you know, like a piece of of steel got found it was lodged into the top of a building next to the twin towers um so it had to have been blown out you know like yeah i'm just saying there was it more didn't to just it come straight down i mean you've got hundred you've got firemen sitting there saying they heard the demolition explosions man i mean look i was a fireman you don't even have to be brilliant to know what a boom sounds like. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're standing there, okay, let's say they're not the smart smartest people. They're not doesn't mean they're liars. They're all hearing the explosions and they're getting windows blown out on the bottom floor. It's just ridiculous. Well, not the to mention that Larry Silverstein even admitted that. Uh... Yeah. He, he said to pull Building 7, like, take it down. And that means the Building 7 was already wired to come down. And I don't know how many people know this, but here's another really interesting fact talking about the people on this side of the fence. Uh, Donald Rumsfeld came out, and what was it, $1.2 trillion was missing uh, from the Pentagon? And he came out and said that on the news uh, September 10th. Yeah, it was either that much or two trillion. It was a lot. 
It, it might have been two trillion. I think it was two trillion. But um, where they were running the investigations, like the federal agencies that were running the investigations that found that out, were all located in Building Number Seven. Not to mention all the gold that they had stored underneath that building. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that there was some type of conspiracy there. Well, and it's, trying to find... it's like so. this isn't exactly the first time. I mean, if you remember back to the 1993 bombings of the World Trade Center, um, one of the individuals who was being handled by the FBI kept recordings of the FBI. And after the 1993 bombing happened at the World Trade Center, they actually released audio of the FBI giving them the materials to build the bomb that was set off uh, in the basement of the World Trade Center. And those are public information. I'm pretty sure that you can find them on the internet. I'm gonna look for them real quick, Shaman, if you wanna take over. Yeah, well, I'm looking for that. Remember I told you about that thing where it has all the pictures? If you guys are on your computers, put in art students and world trade with fuse boxes. And it's reddit.com and uh, then Google Bing imagery is going to show the 14 Israeli art students that were inside the World Trade Center. And what it was is they had these uh, art silhouettes. I don't know if you guys ever heard of this. They took these life-size scale model like silhouettes up into the World Trade Center and went to the floor. I'm trying to remember what floor it was. It was either the floor just above or below where the planes flew into, and there's all these boxes stacked, and there's just enough room to where you can, you know, kind of get through the boxes. And if you look on the boxes, it has an insignia, and I don't have my glasses on. It's like B, uh, give me just a minute, B818, or BB818, hold on, I'm pulling it up bigger. But either way, these were uh, fuses for detonators. And this whole floor was just full of them. And the floor wasn't finished, so it was an empty floor. Yeah, it was B818. All these boxes said B818. And they had a demo guy. And he's like, oh, yeah, those are boxes full of fuses. And uh, it turns out that at least two or more of the uh, Israeli students were former Mossad agents or current Mossad agents. And then there's the other thing where they arrested all those uh, Israelis up on the top of the building, and they were laughing, and they were watching it with binoculars and everything. So who knows? I mean, it's probably, again, you know, are there even governments? No, there's not. There's just a bunch of bankers and rich people and powerful, insane sociopaths that are manipulating the world and uh, programming the people to believe things. So they all work in tandem to accomplish goals. As long as that happens and people don't ask questions, this is the kind of stuff that happens. And what happens? 18 years later, you've got an absolute police state. Every school has a cop in it, so all the kids are used to seeing the cops every single day in their life, all day long, 
telling them what to do, this and that, has nothing to do with the school shootings. It just has to do with that presence, that constant presence of law enforcement. Not saying that law enforcement's necessarily inherently bad, just saying that that's a police state. We didn't have cops come to school unless it was really bad. Like, if a cop came to school, man, somebody was going to jail. It was bad. Um, somebody got stabbed or something. I mean, it, it, you know, we never saw that kind of stuff. You know, people who were, say, 35 or older. But I was uh, actually reading a speech that the uh, new Supreme Court Justice of North Carolina, Sherry Beasley, was giving. And she even said in that speech that having cops at every school, um, now a lot of kids are getting arrested in high school for things that back when when we were kids would have just granted you a trip to the principal's office. And uh, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal. You might have gotten suspended. Dude, we're taking people to court now for smoking cigarettes in school. We had a smoking section in school. Like, we can go it, smoke outside. Yeah, that's because you're old. <laughs> <laughs> we, we weren't allowed to smoke at school. Well, I know why they stopped it, because we used to roll doobies and smoke them while we were playing hacky sack. <laughs> they couldn't tell the difference between the cigarettes. So stuff like that's probably what ended the old smoking school stuff. But, I mean, man, you'd get a dip from Coach. You'd be like, Coach, you got a dip? Oh, yeah, here. And he'd toss you his dip, you know. And you like that anymore. Now it's like calling in child protective services and you get in a fight, anger management. When I'm fighting is what kids do. Yeah, I remember so, I got caught with pot at school one time. Well, actually, I didn't get caught with pot at school one time. But uh, at lunch, I was looking for a cigarette and I found one of my friends and he didn't have a cigarette. And we ended up going over to his friend's house and smoking two joints. And when we came back, um, a teacher comes out in the parking lot and says, hey, you kids, wait there. Pop quiz, what do you do? Teacher comes out and says, hey, you kids, wait there. Y'all just skipping lunch. What do you do? Oh, let me think. Run. <laughs> well, you run. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> I ended up running and getting to class like right before the bell rang. And uh, the two kids I was with, they're kind of idiots. They were just like, what? Huh? <laughs> What's oh, going man. on? And, and then they uh, ratted you, right? Uh, of course they did. I was, only, <laughs> I was only in class for like 10 minutes. And, um, you know, of course, the hall runner comes into the room and goes up to the teacher. And, and everybody in the back where I was sitting was already like, man, it smells like somebody had a good time at lunch in here. <laughs> And so then the teacher was like, uh, Jonathan Cross, come up to my desk. <laughs> so I go up there, and um, he has this drawer open. He was actually a really cool guy. His name was Coach Tankersley. And uh, he goes, if you have anything you in your him? pockets, huh? Can I guess what you said to him? Uh, what? Hi. Oh, <laughs> nah, he, he just said, if you got anything in your pockets you don't want him to find, put it in this drawer right here and uh, then go to the office. <laughs> and so I get, down, I get down to the office. And this is kind of funny because uh, the assistant principal of my school, the office that I had to go to, he actually used to be a backup singer for The Temptations. And um, his name was Mr. Strickland. 
and he comes right up to me. So he's this black guy who was obviously, you know, he knew what was going on. He comes right up to me and he smells my fingers. He goes, let me smell your fingers, boy. And he sniffs and he's like, what you been smoking on? <laughs> and I just look at him and I look at the other two kids like, man, you guys ride me out. I just look at him and I said, I've been smoking on pot. <laughs> and he looks at the other two kids and, and they're just like, they got their jaw to the floor. It's just dropped. They can't believe I just told them what I did. And he looks at them and he goes, and you two just been smoking cigarettes? And they're like, uh-huh. He's just shaking their head, yes. And, and he's like, you two get out of here. I want to talk to this one. <laughs> and so the other two kids leave and he sits me down. He was like, so tell me what's going on. He was like, and I go, well, isn't it obvious? I went and got those two MFs high, and now they're ratting me out. <laughs> <laughs> because I was pretty honest and upfront with them and took responsibility for what I was doing, he actually showed up at my expulsion hearing and, and told the school board, he was like, out of all my years of being a school administrator, this is the only individual that's ever come into my office knew that he was busted and immediately told me the truth. And he said that he had a lot of respect for me and that the school board should not kick me out of school. So out of the three of us, I was the only one who remained in school. I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> I know that didn't have anything to do with 9-11. Sorry, man. No, I'm with you, man. Sorry. I'm not even really sure how we ended up there, to be honest. Well, because you're talking about the police state and how there are a bunch of police at school. Like, I didn't get arrested for that. When he called up the police department, he told him he was like, yeah, we caught these kids smoking pot, but, you know, they're being pretty cooperative. And I don't think you need to come down here, but we did catch them doing something illegal. So I have to call you. It's policy. And of course, they were like, yeah, we're busy right now anyways. You know, don't worry about it. Uh, and the really cool thing was, is he told my parents um, that he had searched me and went through my locker and went through my backpack and didn't find anything. And he never did that. He never searched me. Of course, I still had contraband somewhere on my persons. But because he told everybody that, nobody searched me. So I thought that was really awesome of him. I was just thinking about like, I don't remember exactly what it was about, but I told my daughter to do something and we were on school property and she said, dad, you can't do that. And then I'm not going to say his name, but it's a cop I actually used to work with when I was a cop. And uh, she's like, you'll get in trouble because that is the data. And I'm like, uh, no, or I don't care. And I didn't care. I said, you're, you're my daughter, get in the car and we'll do this. And then like another time, like they'll try to tell you where to park when you drop them off. And I like like Mark Warburg. I can't stay in the cones, you know. I'm like I got to do my thing, but uh, just interesting to watch how my daughter reacts to it. I mean, there's this panic that overtakes her, which is the opposite of how I used to be. Like I just didn't care. Um, just give them the finger and walk on. I'm not saying that's appropriate. I'm just saying that's how I was. I just didn't care. And because of that, they did, they were like, what are they going to do with me? You know, if you don't care, what can they do? There's no punishment. It's like, oh, you're going to expel me? Okay. Oh, you're going to put me in detention? I won't show up there either. Oh, okay, I get a couple days off? Great. I mean, it's just after a while, I just got to the point where I'd walk into class, and they'd be like, you going to do anything today? I'd be like, nope. <laughs> they'd say, get out. i go, okay. So, 
I think that's the difference in an attitude of a police state. And, and like, to me, that just kind of – people who kind of run their own, don't run with the herd, tend to get this stuff better. And this stuff being asking questions about conspiracies, asking questions about why something happens. Like, I went to a bank today, and I explained just one very light issue about banking to this teller. And the other tellers were listening, and they got so uncomfortable. You know, like when somebody gets so uncomfortable, they start, you can see them start to retreat, and then they pull in, and they put their head down, and they start fiddling. One little light thing, dude. And they were just, all these women went into a panic. And it was nothing. It was really nothing. Just something about their charter. That was it. Like a tidbit. And they just panicked. I just noticed that people hit that fear hits them, man. They're like, oh, God. And they just shut down. Well, and I mean, that's kind of the whole point of doing all of this is conditioning, right? You know, yeah, to like programming. People condition like uh, obey authority, you know, this and that. I mean, I think one of the things with them having police officers at school and um, arresting kids and students and stuff is basically go ahead and get them in the system earlier. Go ahead and get them in the system faster. And go ahead and get them to capitulate faster. Like, there's people who are really close to me. They're terrified to think outside the box. Terrified. Literally terrified. Like, to the point where there's like, uh, uh, you know, like there's this trepidation that hits, you know. And their minds just start shutting down. It's like there's something fighting you in your own mind, trying to keep you from seeing that simple truth of what freedom is like we were talking about patrick henry what sunday monday yeah yeah i think it was monday it might have been yesterday maybe it was the people give me freedom or give me death yeah actually i think it was liberty it was liberty but we can say that uh, yeah, freedom's cooler than liberty. Liberty's just shore leave and merry time. You know, it all gets back to the language. You know, I'll tell everybody listening, and I know JC agrees with this. If you don't know how to translate something, okay, if you don't know how to translate hieroglyphics, like how could you go to Egypt and start reading hieroglyphics and making sense of it if you didn't understand the language? So the same thing kind of reading is true with the legal lawful thing, understanding what words mean, and I'm by no means an English expert, but when you understand what certain words mean, and we and they're really a lot of keywords, authority, represent, defendant, uh, the basics, jurisdiction, things of that nature, when you start on consent, all these different things, you can really piece it together pretty simply if you just put it on a, on a level that you can relate to. And when you understand what the words mean, the, the spell doesn't work anymore. But, you know, again, like that one movie, what was it, After Earth, where he says fear, he goes, danger is very real, but fear is a choice. Like, there's danger every day. And, I mean, if I had a helicopter land on my house right now and 100 agents rushed me, I'm pretty sure my heart rate would go up. But it isn't going to change what I believe. 
I mean, why would I bend my knee then? I mean, that's the worst time to bend your knee is when you're under a test like that. That's such an obvious test. We should all pass that. I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, who wants to go through that? But, I mean, I wouldn't. But at the same time, I'm not trying to provoke them with doing silliness either. I'm just doing my thing, and they're doing their thing. Well, I think that everybody kind of goes through tests when when they're prepared to be tested. I like this saying that I've said for a long time, and that is the universe is a university, and whatever class you don't pass, you're doomed to repeat. You know, so it's kind of like uh, the teacher's ready when the student appears, and the student appears when the teacher's ready. I think something to that effect is an old Chinese proverb. I'll tell you, I didn't know if we were going to get into that other thing tonight or not, but everybody listening? That noose is getting tighter, and everybody better start really pulling together and really getting this stuff worked out because that double-minded silliness is going to end up landing everybody in a hole they cannot crawl out of anymore. They're quite simply tired of putting up with silliness, birth certificate argument, claiming your name and all that silliness, the Anna Von Rice, Rod class stuff mixing jurisdictions, mixing teachings, all that stuff is just going to land everybody in jail. That's all it's going to do. And I think 9-11 played right into that. That that was part of putting that noose around the neck and tightening it and tightening it and tightening it. And I just think it's coming to a fruition at this point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that's what it was about. Militarized country, they hate everything. There's, you know, we're in how many countries bombing the piss out of people that have never done anything to us, creating hatred against this country, or the people in the country, I should say. Like, if there was an armed foreign power here shooting at you would you would you see yourself as the terrorist or them i mean to be fair i mean i'm those guys man they they're really trying to do good but because of that you know failure or lack of desire to question things maybe they're getting put in a situation they weren't completely aware of you know not trying to upset anybody but the truth is the truth i mean if somebody told me hey go kill that guy i really want to know why and I'd, I'd want proof then i'd have to weigh whether or not it was my job to kill that guy or not you know i wouldn't just go and kill that guy oh okay just send me over there man i'm ready that's in, that's just not the way i would think Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how in our militarized culture, I mean, it's not just, you know, people in the military, but also people in the police force. The police force, because we have a militarized culture, is becoming more more and more military as time goes on. I remember 
you know and the other thing is is as time goes on people seem to come more and more complacent with what's going on um i remember when uh you know the program to where they started giving county police and and small towns military grade equipment like mraps and different things of that nature and people started to get upset and were kind of up in arms about it and now nobody's talking about it anymore because the police have had this this equipment for 10 years now a decade and you know nothing's ever really happened with it so so people just get to the point where they quit caring and and one of the things to keep in mind is you know they're setting this up for a reason they they're not giving police departments half a million dollar mraps because they don't ever plan on the police department using it and they're not sending these all across the country for no reason i mean think what you wish to think about the other side and the people on the other side but they're not dumb people no and i mean i can tell you you, even the police officers are going to sleep because they say, well, we've got that equipment, but we've never used it in that capacity. Okay, well, what happens when martial law is declared? Then you fall under what? A district. Now you're under a rule of general, right? You now fall under a different category. You're, not, you're no longer going to be a civil servant like that. You're going to be an asset. Because the sheriff is a creature of the state now. It's not the same as it was, just like governors are not. And what's the state? The state is the farm. The farm's owned by who? The king. Who owns the king? The crown. Who owns the crown and the king? The pope. There you go. It's the same players, same game. They're just using different equipment, different techniques. Same principle. They've been doing it for thousands of years. Strong take it by force. And sheep, just let them do it. I've always looked at it like the sheep's fault more than the wolf. Wolf's just going to act like a wolf. But why would the good people let bad people do bad things? There's more good people, right? I hope so. Which post? Well, I can't post it because I'm on my phone, but I didn't know if anybody posted up those pictures of those art students and the Mossad agents standing in the World Trade Center with all them fuse boxes. Uh, No, nothing like that's been posted. But, uh, you know, and getting back to what you're saying is this is old as as time itself. Uh, I'm going to bring up a scripture that i've been reading over and looking at lately and and this is this is a really good one in my opinion and look for the kjv version Uh, woe to you lawyers for you, you have taken away the key of knowledge you entered not in yourselves and them that were entering in you hindered 
And I think that that speaks volumes because that's more or less what's going on is the law is a gift and it's supposed to be something that everybody can use. Common law, divine law, eternal law, God's law, whatever you wish to call it, civil law or, you know, positive law, positive lex, which is basically just when man writes law down has always gotten corrupted. It's always taken societies to places that they didn't really wish to go. It's always caused problems all throughout history. And the people who actually learn law, who, who know real law, they, they understand what's going on. They understand concepts like, if there's nobody there accusing you of doing anything wrong, then you didn't do anything wrong. They understand concepts like pretended offenses. I, I think it's really interesting. A lot of people like to talk about, let's say, the Declaration of Independence. And in the Declaration of Independence, one of the things that they're accusing the king of is, is making up all of these pretended offenses against people and these pretended crimes. And if you look at our culture and our society today, that's exactly what speeding tickets are driving without a license, possession of a substance. Uh, I would say 90% of crimes that people get arrested for and are in some sort of trouble these days is for something that the state just kind of made up. It's like, oh, you can't have a plant, a plant in your pocket. If you have a plant in your pocket, you're going to be in trouble. And and that's completely pretended. It's like, what did you do wrong? Who did you hurt? And of course, kind of like we were talking about before, people are conditioned to just accept this these days. And and going into the future, when the next generation grows up, I mean, just listen to how Shaman was talking about his daughter, you know, being worried about doing something at school, saying, you can't do that here things like that are only going to get worse. They they tend not to get better unless people make them better. Uh, things tend to stay the same or get worse unless people actually intervene and have a plan of action. The future belongs to the people who plan on it. So if you're not planning on what tomorrow might bring, then I would dare to say that you don't have it tomorrow. You know? Um, and that's not to say that that every day you wake up could be the last day of your life. And, uh, it's true. And every day you wake up, you're as young as you'll ever be. <laughs> I mean, that, that other statement, like, and I'll tell that to people, and they think I'm saying that you're going to die. It's like, no, dude, I don't know when you're going to die. Like, you could die four seconds. I could die four seconds from now. You don't know what's going to happen. And at that moment, I, I, I showed my wife my new life plan, and I wrote a B on one side of the page, and I drew a tombstone on the other side with a D on it. And she said, well, what's this? I'm like, look, I was born, and I know I'm going to end up in that tombstone one day. What am I taking to me with that, to that rock and in that ground? Is it going to be the house, the truck, plumbing parts? Oh, I was a cop. Oh, I played drums. I sing. I play guitar. Whatever. Uh, no, it's going to be what did you do 
that was righteous, that was cool, that was good, that was helpful, that was loving. That, like, uh, what's that old saying? A tree's best measured, or most easily measured on its side, when it's laid on its side. It's easier to measure a tree once it's laid down, right? So, same thing with a man. I mean, what, what's the legacy you leave? And I just think everybody's so freaking selfish anymore. Nobody, you know, we've talked about that analogy in that movie where the guy was talking about, remember I told you about that um, former Nazi colonel they caught? And they were getting ready to kill him, and he's like, look, I'll just tell you. He said, you know why it was so easy to enslave you people and kill you? He said, because we could have two guards march a 1,000 of you right into a gas chamber, and you wouldn't do anything because all of you are only worried about yourselves. He said, just a couple of you could have overpowered us so easily, but you weren't willing to put your own life on the line to do it, and that's why we win. Of course, that's when he got shot in the head, but I guess they'd learned their lesson by then. But that's true, right? How many how many people did Hitler kill? Probably not many himself, if any. But he sure had a lot of other people help him. He wouldn't have been oh, anything. I'm sure Hitler him. killed somebody. Yeah, I know. I'm saying. I'm just saying. What would he have been without all those people? Nothing. If he didn't have the support of the clerks and the judges and the military, he wouldn't have killed. Him. He wouldn't have had no power. One man caused that much havoc because nobody would stand against him. Okay. I gotta get my daughter a blanket. I'll be right back. That's cool. So, if anybody wishes to uh, jump into the conversation, just raise your hand, and and we're real liberal here, so. Uh, all about freedom of speech as well. Sometimes uh, it's a little difficult to just keep talking all the time. Life can get boring. And of course, if anybody has an idea of topics for a show or something that they'd like to hear talked about on the show, Again, you can email us at J-C-A-N-D-S-H-A-M-A-N or M-A-N at gmail.com. That's J-C and Shaman at gmail.com. So I don't know how... If nobody raises... How, uh, go ahead. If nobody raises their hand or has anything to talk about, maybe we should talk about that one thing. Yeah, you want to start? Uh, sure. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I actually got it pulled up right here. There you go. So I'll introduce, I'll introduce it since you got it pulled up and I don't. But, guys, I don't know if you remember the controversy that kind of went on on our way out the door with Gus and everything. And he was like saying, oh, you guys, you just need to dump it all out there. Just dump everything out. All right. And we did, actually, but... Most people just didn't catch it. All the information is still out there on all those recordings. But one of the reasons that we were slightly vague by stretching it out over a period of time was because, honestly, not everybody's meant to shoot a 50-millimeter 
machine gun or a five trillion millimeter machine gun. You know, it, not everybody's capable of doing that properly. And what happens if you have a hundred people come in and do something wrong, but it's very similar? Okay, let's say everybody got the wrong idea or took one document that we made or gave an example of and just use that as a format, okay? What happens when there's a flaw in it and the courts find it and then they just stand against every case? That's called precedent, okay? And, one, and, and I know JC for sure mentioned that, that you don't want the other side to be able to set precedent because... Once they get that, it's a universal control, and it makes it ultimately incredibly difficult to do something. And not only that, if JC and I write a document, right, and then Jimmy Johnson or Tommy Taylor or Susie Cupcake over on the other side in California, Washington, Oregon, they just start writing the same thing. It's not their belief. That's not what they believe. They're trying to sound like JC and Shaman or in this case, they're trying to sound like Carl Lentz. Um, not that he didn't do some good stuff, but he wasn't right on everything either. And that created a lot of problems. And now, with that, Jay-Z? So, uh, a certain individual sent us this case law. This is from Canada. And Canada is way more aggressive at at doing these things than America has been so far. But I know for sure that there are certain things, um, you know, they have a lot of case law down here in numerous states talking about when somebody's talking about the uh, gold fringe around the flag, uh, maritime arguments, and different things that are kind of in the counterculture being passed around that they're labeled as a sovereign citizen and they're setting precedent down here in the States, but in Canada, they're kind of light years ahead. So um, here's a case where uh, they're, the court's basically saying that this guy has an organized pseudo-legal commercial argument. They call it an OPCA. Their court case that really defines this is called Meads versus Meads in Canada. And um, down here at uh, paragraph five, it talks about how the individual who filed this appears to have become an adherent of a U.S. sovereign citizen, quote unquote, guru, Carl Rudolph Lentz, and they have his name with a C and then a K in, in parentheses. And uh, they're, they're going after things that look like the paperwork that Carl Lentz basically put out and um, put up on, what was it, broadmind.org? Or was it yeah. broadmind.com? Yeah. So one of the things that they're talking about in here is how he stylizes the court document um, at Queen's Bench of Canada for whatever county that's in. I can't even read the name of that. In it, he says himself as I, a man prosecutor, and the defendant as wrongdoers. He states, I require court of record, trial by jury, and it's stylized the exact same way. I mean, he just copied and pasted this. And I'm sure they wrote it out by hand because they actually talk about him writing it out by hand 
later in this. And I'm not saying that writing it out by hand. I personally think that you should write it out by hand rather than use a computer. Um, but, <clears throat> you know, and then he makes various claims and seeks, seeks compensation of $371,520,000. And that's a big round number. <laughs> so uh, just to kind of put that into perspective. And then he writes a letter of cognizance um, and in which letter he writes, if you are, if you are or affiliated with a monarchy government ramp city public servant working for Lethbridge Regional Police Service officer agency employee, foreign or domestic CFR, the UN, subject of the bar, the Vatican, the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, JP Morgan and Chase, the Warburgs, Freemasons, the IMF, World Bank, and corporate name with bank and or the press <laughs> in any way affiliated and or in concert with any of the above, the following pertains to you. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this right now. When they get something like this, it, it looks absolutely insane to the people who are working behind the desk of the clerk's office. You know, the people who are working behind the desk of the clerk's office don't believe that they're under a monarchy. They don't believe that they're working with the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, J.P. Morgan Chase, the Warburgs, Freemasons. Um, it, you know, and when they get stuff like this, all they're thinking is that this sovereign citizen is absolutely nuts and believes way too many conspiracy theories. And whether those conspiracy theories are true or not true, that's, that's not up for debate. Um, because the real thing is, is, is what does any of this stuff that he's talking about in here have anything to do with his action? A lot of people, and of course the courts make it kind of easy, um, but a lot of people go into court looking for a fight. And if you're looking for a fight, you're probably going to find one. And when people do things like this and they put in stuff like this and they have some things in there that, yeah, it's kind of correct. And then they have other things in there that like 90% of it is absolutely bonkers and off the walls. It, it makes it so much more difficult for anybody who actually knows what they're doing. It, it's because so many people are doing things like this that people who really know what they're doing and go in there meet so much resistance and so much backlash. And of course, in this particular case law, what they're doing is they're actually saying that that he doesn't have a right to use the court anymore because they call him um, an abusive litigant, uh, saying that he's basically filing things with the court to abuse the court process and make other people's lives difficult. And in some, some ways, in a lot of ways, I actually probably think the same thing. Um, I was actually talking to Shaman yesterday when we were talking about some of this stuff and I was telling them, you know, in my opinion, I can actually see why the legal society gets frustrated with a lot of people in the counterculture because, you know, 
<clears throat> people in the counterculture will use things, for instance, like the UCC, the Uniform Commercial Code. It's, it's a code and it's not an acted law. Like uh, states can choose to go along with that code if they wish. Uh, some <clears throat> states enact some of that, that, that code or different parts of that code. Some states enact the entire thing. And that's just because they don't wish to spend the time to uh, go through all of the issues and, and make legislation about that. But the UCC in and of itself is not law. And if, if a state has adopted it, then they've probably put their own codification to it. So they, they've adopted the um, code and the wording, but they probably have their own chapter, subsection, A, B, C, this, that, and the other to that. And so when people go in, and of course they don't understand these things, but they use them because they've seen it on a YouTube video or heard about it on a talk shoe or however they came across the information, and it's a hundred percent blatantly wrong, you know, and and they believe that they're right and they don't understand why the court's treating them the way that the court's treating them. I absolutely understand why it would frustrate people who work within the courts, especially people who are educated, such as judicial officers who really, really understand better. And I think one of the big things that a lot of people should think about or think of when when they're going into court is is you're not fighting with the court. You're you're fighting or you're struggling with whoever the opponent is on the other side of the case. Um, you know, if if the government's bringing you in, then that would be the government. If somebody's bringing you in personally, of course, that would be whoever's bringing you in. And if you're going in after somebody, your objective is to go after whoever's sitting on the other side of the case, whoever is the other party to the action. You really should try and use as much of your time and as much of your energy focused on what you're actually there to accomplish rather than arguing with the court about whether they have jurisdiction who has jurisdiction, um, you know, what's going on, what the process is, whether it's common law, not common law, uh, statutory law, civil law. Because if, if you're really moving in law and the court is allowing you to move in law, I'll, I'll tell you this right now, they're never gonna come out and say, okay, yes, we're going to allow you to move in law. They're never going to make it very, express like that. I mean, they will say it's a court of law. And if it's a court of law, I would trust them on it. And as long as you're moving in law, you don't have to state it. Because as we've said on this show so many times, actions speak louder than words. It doesn't matter what you're saying or what you're talking about. What matters is how you're acting, how you're performing, what you're doing <clears throat> at court, what you're doing before the magistrate, before the judicial officer and you know arguing with them isn't going to help anything hey can i uh say something real quick yes sir you can actually take a couple of minutes i'm gonna get a drink so 
just real quick, guys, a couple things. Um, if anybody's ever watched the remake of True Grit, I would highly recommend watching that first court scene with how the defense attorney is acting and he's putting on a show and you can see him doing it. Like he's literally putting on a show, him and the prosecutor are bouncing off one another. And watch how uh, Jeff Bridges, of course, who plays Rooster uh, Coburn, I think is his name. Watch how he answers. He doesn't get shaken. He stays right where he's at. Even when this guy is pulling up all this stuff that could look really damaging, he just stays his course. He doesn't shift. He doesn't shake. And he says what he needs to say, and he stays there. He doesn't give the, the defense attorney anywhere to run. He doesn't give him anywhere to go. But uh, as far as this document, think about something. So this guy, uh, let's see, I'm going to pull it back. I think it was number five. Okay, he's talking about the Rockefellers, the Warburgs, the Rothschilds. That is about two things. First is like, can you imagine if somebody came up to you and said, look, man, I'm going to tell you that I, got, I figured it all out. What happened was there's these reptilian people that came down. Okay, they've already lost you, haven't you've already that's it. You're you're already in your mind's already like, oh, okay, David Icke. Okay, I got it. You're not gonna listen to hardly anything else they say. Even the things they say, they're right. You know it's masked in some kind of delusional thinking. So you're not really paying attention to them. Another thing is, if like if I was reading something or let's say I was getting ready to get in a fight with somebody, and they called me on the phone and said, let me tell you something, dude. I took karate for this many years, and I know this, and I know that, and I can do this, and you do this, and I know you're not this tall, and your arm reaches it, and they just went through all this stuff. Here's what I, the first thing I think is, this guy really doesn't want to fight me. He doesn't really know how to fight, because if he did, he would just say, uh, where do you want to meet? So the same thing kind of rings true in court. This guy, in this document, and one thing, he's trying to say uh, he's a man. Then he comes down in, in Section 3 and says, I'm a human being. And it's like they even, they even say that. His signature and annotations, human being, sovereign. And they, and they, they go right after him for the human being thing because they know the human being is not a man. So they're not going to come out and say that, of course. Like J.C. said, they're not going to come out and tell you when you're right and tell you when you're wrong. It's if you're moving the chess piece and the chess piece is moving, there's no reason to yell that the chess piece isn't moving. You just keep moving. Um, the more you yell, the less likely they're going to let you move that chess piece. And yes, it's let you because right now they've got control of the courts. And there's not enough of us to overrun them. And they know that. They're not even hiding it. And this document that we have before us in, from Canada proves it. They don't care. They're shutting the court down of law. And they're doing it based upon a bunch of frivolous crap. Multi-jurisdictional, unlearned, unlawful stuff. That's why they're calling it pseudo-legal. And if, but if, even if you read the document, right? Of course, you guys can't. But it actually, says down I, here, I can post the uh, document up in the chat. Just give me a minute. Yeah, I'm just saying that nobody can read it right now. It says Lynch's concepts have been repeatedly rejected by this and other Canadian court as having no legal merit. Well, of course not. Again, you got to know how they're writing. What are they saying? And of course it's not legal. That's not the angle that Carl Lentz tries to take. He's trying to take a lawful approach. So, you know, it's not that everything he does is wrong. It's just if you know what you're reading, how to read it, um, they'll, they're telling you what's going on. You just 
instead of saying, <clears throat> if you have the French flag and you're a Rothschild and you're this and you're that and you're that and this and the Pope and this and that, why wouldn't you just go and go, man, who, who brought me in here? Yeah, I don't understand all that stuff. You know, like my truck just had a big problem today. It, it looks like a, possibly a cylinder burned out, which is horrible. It's going to be, I don't even have the money to fix it. So I had a buddy of mine who's really, really smart call me up, and he's like, yeah, well, what happens is the compression, right? And if you take the piston out and you take this and you take spark plug out, and then you turn this 50%, I'm like, dude, I don't understand your language. Like, I'm an idiot. I can't, I can tile, I can build things. I can plumb, I, I can do a lot of stuff, but I'm not a car mechanic. So I understand some of the stuff you're saying, but I can't put it into mechanics. Like, I don't know how to put point A to point B to point C, even though I may know what D, E, and F mean. I can't put it all together. And the same thing is going on with law. Everybody's going to Annamon Rice's site and getting something, and the informer's site, and they're getting a little bit there. And then they go to Carl, and they get some there, and then they go to Rock Class, and then maybe they come to us and somebody else, and then they take all this stuff, and they wash it in a pot or whatever they think sounds cool, and then they, bam, they go in, just like this guy claiming UCC. It's like, dude, what do you think? Like, what's your belief? Either you're a part of that or you're not, and if you're not, don't do it. That's the only ground you need to understand. You don't need to understand what they're doing. You just need to understand what you're doing, and that's the struggle. The struggle is really with yourself more than it is them because you've got to figure out what you believe and then settle on it. You know, one of my favorite scriptures is how long will you waver between two opinions? Pick a side and get there. You know, I think the other side wants you to do that too. I think what they're getting frustrated with is everybody being double-minded and wanting the benefits but no liability. And... uh like, fine, you don't want to play in our yard, don't use our playground, you know? Well, you get it up yet? Yeah, I mean, the other side of that is is that, you know, for the most part, this stuff still seems to do decent as a defense when people understand how to perform it and do it properly. Um, but they're really shutting this down as a uh, you can actually use the courts to go after somebody who's caused you harm, injury, or loss. Like, you know, on that side of it, basically it's shut down unless you have their permission. Um, they're, they're just gonna not allow you to go and move in court. And I know when Shaman and I first started coming on the show with Gus a year and a half ago. That was one of the big reasons why we started taking this and, and kind of being public and, and getting out on an internet show and, and talking about it and kind of spreading what law actually is a little more. And that's because with everything that we've been seeing, you know, they're shutting it down more and more. And this is an aggressive step. And I'm sure that steps will get more aggressive. I've been, you know, doing this pretty full time for about three to four years. And I'll tell you that four years ago, uh, it, it was a lot easier to help somebody out. I mean, four years ago, you could basically most of the time just write a letter to the prosecutor or to the state's attorney or to the district attorney 
um, or the solicitor, whatever they call it in your state, and get something worked out before anybody even had to show up to court. Now, and I mean, I would say for the past two and a half years, anytime that they charge anybody with anything, they're going to pull you into court and test you out. Make sure that you know what you're talking about. Make sure that you believe what you're saying and and that you're real. Because um, that's that's one of the biggest things is that you have to you have to be real. Uh, <clears throat> not only with yourself, but also with everybody around you. And kind of as Shaman was saying earlier about somebody just copying and pasting and going into court, or even if we wrote something out for somebody, you know, it's, it's not the paperwork that matters. Uh, the paperwork, and yes, the paperwork has to be right, but it, it's a very small part of it. it. It's your performance when you're actually there. It's how you handle uh, the back and forth. And, and one of the big things that people should learn how to do is, is logic things out, reason things out, because I can say I've almost never been in court where the judicial officer wasn't saying things that were, were double-minded, that were double-talk or double-speak. And when they say things, to that degree, you you have to call them out. Uh, you know, you have to kind of get them into a corner where you're getting them to state one particular thing. Um, one of the things that I can think of to kind of give an example is uh, before court, you know, the judicial officer was telling the claimant that they lost their sovereignty when they filed the paperwork with the court, that they lost any sovereignty that they had in that respect. Well, it's like, if I had sovereignty when I filed, where did it go? You know, who has it now? I wish for it back. Because if you have sovereignty, then you can't give it away. There's a lot of United States Supreme Court case law that says that. Like, you cannot contract away your sovereign rights. It's just not able to be done even if you believe like even if you're willing to sign a contract that gives away or limits your sovereign rights it, it can't uphold in a court of law like it can't be upheld so of course they kept on you know getting off that track and saying that it was a complaint rather than a claim and so the claimant was just like well who who converted my claim into a complaint uh, well, you did when you filed. Okay, so the clerk did it because I didn't file it, you know? Like somebody filed it. It was handed to the clerk's office. They file it. It's for their records. If you're moving your own claim, you have your own original record always. And, and you're filing that in the proper place because it's in your office, it's in your briefcase, it's in your suitcase, wherever you wish to file it, you know, because that's your court, because the court is a sovereign and they're retenue. So <clears throat> when people are arguing with the other side, they got to stay on point and they got to be logical 
and they got to think about what the other side is saying. And that is incredibly difficult to do when you're actually up at a council table and you have somebody on the other side of the room and then you're arguing with a man or a woman in a black robe. Uh, because, and in my opinion, it's kind of unfair. Like, I think it's kind of absurd. One thing that we've been seeing a lot of lately is that the other side doesn't really argue the, the merits or the points of the case. Like when somebody's really doing things the right way, it's typically the, the judge or the magistrate or whoever's wearing the black robe that kind of picks up and gets into the arguments. Um, and I think that that's a incredibly unfair. A is that the court's not supposed to be biased towards either litigant. And B is because people who are judicial officers, you know, not only do they have law school and have been trained in the art of argument and the art of debating, but they're also a judicial officer, which means that they've had schooling beyond law school. They've had courses and classes where in a very short period of time, you know, people kind of strip away all of the BS from what real law is. Because real law is not that hard to understand. It's not even that hard to learn. And that's why, you know, I think down here you can be a magistrate like any magistrate judge only has to do maybe a two-week course. I mean, they basically learn how to operate, perform, move a court, and what the very basics and fundamentals of law are in two weeks. It's not that difficult. But, you know, that's not something that, that everybody has the study material the study material for the those kind of courses aren't public and of course you know the judicial society is a lot more concealed and uh secretive than even the bar association and if you're a non-attorney and you try to talk to an attorney about law and a lot of times they just won't talk with you about it i mean unless you're paying them but from an attorney's point of view, if you don't have those years of law school, it's like y'all are talking two different languages. Even though it both sounds like English, they're talking about law in one way, and you're reading things and interpreting them in another way. And so a lot of times it's really hard for attorneys to understand the general public when, when they're kind of talking about a lot of these concepts. Uh, I, I'm just thinking of this video where uh, I forget her name. Sydney Powell is is giving a a presentation for the Cato Institute, and they're at the end and kind of taking questions and giving answers. And this lady raises her hand and she's like, "Where do you go? You know, like everything's administrative. If you go and complain to." Uh, the Judicial Commission, it's all administrative. The judicial officers, their buddy, they're probably not going to do anything. Like, where do you go and who do you talk to? And and when Sydney found out that she wasn't an attorney or didn't have anything to do with the Bar Association, she really moved past the question. And I was a little disappointed in that because I'd like to hear the answer to it. But, um, you know, 
it, it just kind of goes back to show that if you're a non-attorney and you're trying to talk to attorneys about these things, unless you understand the concepts really, really well, and you're more or less speaking their language, then a lot of attorneys don't like getting into those conversations because most of the general public doesn't really understand what they're talking about. There's this saying in law school that goes, that's what it says, you know, that's what it, what it reads, but it's not what it says. Um, or that's what it says, but it's not what it means. And it's basically like it, everything that they have, case law, statutory law, um, statutes, codes, it's all kind of encrypted in what people generally, generally refer to as legalese. And with case law, one thing that I've seen a lot is people actually read something out of a case and use that as case law, but it's not the actual law of the case. When you're reading case law, a very, very small portion of you know the five pages that you're reading is actual law. Now, most of it is what's going on. And if you go back to older case law, a lot of it is what reasons they're using, like how the judicial officers or how the court is reasoning the conclusion that they're going to come to when they actually write down the law or the case law to a particular thing. And so when people don't know how to actually read these things and they go and they write down, okay, here's what's said in this case law and it's said of this marker and, you know, this is, this is the law that I'm going to bring before the court. That's, that might not even be the law of the case and it might not have any bearing on anything and that's even if you were in the world of of being an attorney so anyways uh anybody in the uh chat room wish to raise their hand i'll i'll unmute you a few people in here and hey hey jc it's matt i wanted to say what's something up, about matt? when you're hi guys sorry about last week uh, my phone literally it was dead as soon as you texted me shaman like two minutes later it just was done i bought a new phone the next day so love technology huh so when you oh, were yeah, talking yeah. about uh court it reminded me of the story you're telling about school and being at the principal's office and how basically when you were in the principal's court you basically were like here's what's up and although there weren't although there were consequences for your actions they went a hell of a lot different than they would have gone had you gone in there and not acted honorably so with my experience at court, which is very, very, very limited, I've observed that honor and good faith is a very large part of it. And they know when someone's trying to hoodwink the court and when someone's going in there and they're like, all right, yeah, this is this person is or this man or woman is absolutely right you know they're this is 
You know, you know what I'm saying? But oh, it yeah. reminded me um, because uh, it just reminded me about your a- actions, you know, when you're going in there looking for a fight. It was, you know. Well, and and acting in good faith and, and being true to yourself and the people around you. Um, I mean, it's like I really didn't have a problem being honest in that situation, A, because I knew I was already <laughs> caught. Like, there's no point in lying. Uh, lying yep. just makes it worse. You're caught. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's it like the Super Bowl. Oh, I'm sorry. It was the um the the Subway series, and what was that? 2001. I think it was 2001 when the Yankees played the Mets. Is that 2001? I think it was. And uh, my we were, I was in college. Must have been I was in college. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were driving from one campus to the other. It was a split campus in town. And going from one campus after buying, you know, a bag of weed and driving to the other, we were smoking a joint. Now, it was three white guys, and the driver was a Mexican. We're all music students. And (laughs) we went through a yellow light. Woo! We get lit up. He comes over, immediately pulls the the kid, uh, the driver out, of course. When he comes back, he sees it's it's all of us. Now, the cop starts going through it start through the ashtray and he just goes, you know, boys, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. And I just kind of looked at everybody. I was like, well, I'm fucked because I was the one that had it on me. So I just kind of looked at the cop and I was like, you know, I've got stuff on me. And yes, I'm aware of my rights. And the cop, he, he was taken aback. He like flinched for a second. He looked over at his partner. He was like, get a little of this kid. He's like, all right, come on out. And he treated me really, he, you know, he you know, beat the shit out of me or anything. He's like, just take everything out of your pockets. I pulled it out. It's like, here it is, you know. And by the end of the long story short, I truly believe that because I did that, at the end of the night, he made me and my other friend, plus college kids, he made us walk down to the end of the road, throw the bag that we had in the garbage, in, in, in the gutter, and the gutter went down like 12 feet. Um, and the street we were on just happened to be the crack street in the town. And we were being just catcalled by all the, you know, the crackheads, the prostitutes who were literally watching us from the crack house across the street. And he led us on our Mary. He was just like, go to the campus, get to that other campus right now, go straight there. We're going to follow you. And they led us on our Mary and we drove right there. And then, but we could have been arrested. But I remember thinking in my head, well, I'm caught, going to go to jail. So how am I going to get out of jail? My father's going to come bail me out of jail. So my father's only going to come bail me out of jail if he knows that I was honest and I did the right thing. And I just was like, all right, let's just get this fucking over with. But if I was an asshole and I was like, oh, fuck you. No, man, you know, my dad would have been like, oh, really, kid? Enjoy rotting in jail for the night. Maybe I'll come get you tomorrow morning or the next day, you know, teach you a little lesson. So it's just room. I didn't mean to cut you off before, but just another uh, similar story, you know? Oh, oh, no, I mean, you didn't really cut me There's off. There's a time I mean, and a place is what I'm saying. Maybe not every time, but there is a time and a place. Like, hey, when you're caught, you're caught, man. Just like when you know, uh, when you know you've done something wrong and you're caught, just, hey, man, all right, let's get this well, over with. And honesty goes, I still honesty goes a really short, long but. way. You know what I mean? And and being real and acting in good faith. Um, I mean, I, I've definitely sat in court and uh, 
you know, there was this one time when I was watching a court and this woman had gotten there late and she was getting yelled at by the judge. And, you know, as she's getting yelled at by the judge, you know, for being late and him telling her that he could throw her in jail for contempt or for not showing up and this and that, she just kind of started breaking down crying, talking about how she tried to be there on time and, you know, her car broke down and this, that, and the other happened. And the way that she walked in there, you know, was kind of apologetic. So I don't think that she would have been that way had the judge not started yelling at her. You know, I think she was going to try and work out whatever she could work out. And she even said that. And because she broke down crying and kind of started telling the judge problems, and I'm guessing because the judge kind of went off on her uh, before that happened, you know, I mean, he, he grew a heart and he actually dropped everything. You know, she had like three tickets and he was like, uh, you're free to go. <laughs> you know, we're just, we're just yeah. going to forget about these tickets. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and she was just being herself and she was being honest. And, and I mean, I really believe that she was going to go in there. And even though she didn't really have the ability to pay, I think she was going to try and work it out. She knew that she was committing whatever traffic violations that she got the three tickets for. And, um, you know, so it's like honesty and being yourself goes goes a very long way. Uh, when you're dealing with any type of authority, whether it's your parents or, you know, the school principal or the police or a judge, uh, it doesn't yeah. really matter. Uh, as long as you're honest and you're yourself and you act in good faith and you try and be truthful and you try not to deceive people, um, you know, because, I mean, I think that's why Mr. Strickland showed up to my expulsion hearing and said what he said was because did he, he call felt you like, a slacker? Hey, uh, did he call me a slacker? No. I was thinking that very thing when he said Strickland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Back to the future, man. <laughs> back to the future. Uh, <laughs> uh, not, not, did you try to like steal that. his paper and he came trying to shoot you with a shotgun? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, right. So you're the one who's been stealing my paper. Hey, I'll tell you. I mean, when I was a cop, I'll tell you, when people were honest with me and didn't give me any crap, I mean, I'm telling you, government agents are inherently lazy. And if I could get out of, I mean, every report I had to do if I made an arrest was one, two, three, four, six pages. Six pages. Tibers. I had all these things. Then you had to enter in the book. Then you had to go to court. And it was like, dude. You honestly think I want to spend my days off going to court? You know how many times a, a year I went to court? It was insane. I learned after my first two years, stop. So I'm telling you, if people were cool and they weren't really causing problems, you'd be surprised how many breaks I gave people. I mean, obviously my thinking has changed now, but even back then, and people, people who knew me then still are like, oh, dude, what's up, Officer Man? I mean, I, I was not hated by the people that I served. I wasn't. I just hey, wasn't you really were guy. the man, huh? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and it's like, it's I, the mean, man. I mean, that's funny. It is funny, isn't it? But I, mean, yeah, I wasn't I mean, hated. I mean, I still have people contact me to this day. Um. I'm not saying I was perfect. I mean, I had my moments. I'm sure some people out there probably didn't like me very much. 
Um, but at the same time, you know, why would you want to be mean to people just because you think you can? And I'll tell you there are cops out there that are like that, but just cruel cops, there's not as many out there as people think. Brainwashed cops, there's a lot of those guys. But there's a lot of brainwashed citizens, too, doing silliness like this guy did in his paperwork. And that, is the, that, was, one of the, that was one of the main falling outs between Gus and us was because even though we let the information out on the very first show we ever did, <laughs> it's like we gave the answer, and I actually got into an argument with someone. I'm like, dude, he just gave the answer like 30 seconds ago. What do you mean wait four years? Like, what's wrong? Can you not hear? And that's true. They can't hear. Their brains just don't cycle the info. They can't believe it's that easy. I will tell you, it's one of the few things that Carl said to me that actually resonated throughout, like, because I, I really can't stand him. But he was honest with me, and I looked at him, and I said, dude, you know, is, is, I asked him about is it hard to move a claim. Of course, now, in retrospect, he's like, oh, yeah, it's incredibly hard. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about being a man? I don't understand. What do you mean being man? I'm not a wimp or anything. I'll stand for what i got to stand for. He's like, listen. I can't tell you how to be a man. He goes, when you get it, you're going to laugh. When, you, when it finally hits you, you're going to laugh. And he was right. Because when I finally got it, I kind of chuckled to myself. And you can't teach somebody that. You can show them how to open the door, but if they don't open the door themselves, they're not going to get it. It's nothing mystical. It really isn't. It's nothing mystical. You just think about what a man would do, like what a true man would do, and you'll get it. Well, uh, hey, Sean, and Money Mike saying that he was the one that was saying, uh, we're going to. Yeah, I knew it was. And and he's being (laughs) honest, but Gus 11 uh, posted up to speak to the concept of being too honest in situations because there are definitely times when when you we're shut saying to be up. honest and to be true to yourself <laughs> we're definitely not saying tell them everything that they don't know oh, about yeah. um, it's literally every situation what's the, every situation is different some there's times when you like uh, hey you, feel you it out your mouth shut you don't you don't say a damn word you keep your fucking mouth shut and there's other times yeah you know what i think the right thing to do it's it's Exactly, like it. That's just something that you learn from experience. You just got to, just by talking to people well, and just learning, like, well, and just feeling the situation out, you know? I actually have a good example of this because, um, you know, with the story that I was talking about being at school way back in my youth, uh, you know, I, I actually had an ounce of marijuana in my sock. <laughs> I wasn't going to talk about that, but. You know, here here's the difference between being honest and being too honest. When those other kids walked out of Mr. Strickland's office and he asked me what was going on, I was like, isn't it obvious? I got those two kids high and now they're ratting me out. And I'm sure that he thought that that was funny because I couldn't see somebody who used to sing as a backup singer for The Temptations <laughs> not ever smoking weed before. Um, he probably came from, yeah, yeah, at that I, time, yeah, he probably... Had some street cred too. Probably was going home and smoking it. <laughs> right. But 
you know, what I didn't tell him is I didn't tell him that I had more weed on me. And in fact, when he asked me if I had anything else, I was like, no, you know, those were my last two joints. And I threw them, you know, just tossed them before I came back to school because I didn't want to bring it back on school property. Because just the fact of it being on school property was a completely different set of issues you know and i don't think that he would have told everybody they searched me and did this and that except for the fact i mean i'm just being real he probably knew that i had something he probably knew that if he searched me searched my book bag searched my locker he could have found something else but because i was honest with them because i was real and and i was probably somewhat humorous uh, you know, he, he chose not to do that. And not only did he choose not to do that, but thankfully he told my parents that, yeah, he had searched me. He had gone through all of these different things. So when they brought me home, they absolutely turned my room upside down. And I think they found like a, a quarter bag underneath my bed and they were satisfied at that point, but they never searched me, never searched my book bag and everything that I actually had on my persons you know, I still had, which I'm kind of thankful for because I was grounded for a really long time after that. <laughs> <laughs> I had some house chores to do, some cleaning to do. House is kids but still finding this stuff. <laughs> that's the difference. He's grounded. Being, yeah. being honest and being too honest. As honest as go ahead and fess up to what you've already been caught with. You know, too honest is to go ahead and give them everything else you got. <laughs> I would say the exception is when you're dealing with the police. <laughs> like if I'm walking down the streets and the cop just comes up and he's like, hey, you come over here. Like, I not. Nah. Sorry, honesty is out the window. But I'm still going to be trying to be polite. You know, do you have the right to say to a cop, yeah, go go F yourself or, you know, kiss my ass, you know, suck my dick or whatever part of my mouth, everyone. I don't mean to be. Anyway, so you get the point. Sure, you have that right. Freedom of speech, do it all day. Redress the government, you know? Do, call a cop a pig, do what you want to do. Um, you, if you get arrested for something, however, and you got to face a jury, and they can, you know, and they have you on audio saying those things, so it's not just, or video, so it's not just hearsay, you know? You know, yeah, technically, is it a crime? No, but the jury's not going to look at it in your favor. The court's not going to look at your favor. The judge, when he reads the, the transcript, you know, three minutes before he calls your name, and then he sees, like, oh, and then he sees the, the officer's thing, oh, the guy was calling me a son of a bitch, and blah, 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 blah. He's going to be like, oh, oh, really? All right. Mm -hmm. You know, you're just, you know, there's a time, though. Well, and the thing is, is you know, it's the non-aggression principle. It's like you don't wish for anybody to do anything to be aggressive towards you so why would you say things or act in ways to be aggressive towards someone else yeah i've always found that the louder somebody gets the quieter you should get top starts yelling mm -hmm. in your face just, just get why are you yelling at me why are you yelling? excuse me i'm i'm i can hear you just fine why, why are you yelling? hey man why are you yelling why don't you calm down, man? Why don't you go have a Coke? Have a Coca-Cola, you know? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> a Coca-Cola, that's why I, I rephrased my... Uh... 
Yeah, I'm not sure that yeah. would work. <laughs> I think that depends on the cop. Mainly, uh, yeah. you just go look. Hey, man, I ain't gonna say nothing anymore. That's it. Not without, not without counsel present. I'm not talking to you or nope. anybody else. That so do what you're down. gonna do, man. You're gonna do something. I shut it down. I ain't stopping you. I ain't trying to be rude, but without counsel present, I'm not. I'm not answering any questions. Do what you gotta do, brother. Yeah, I can't. No. Well, I mean, well, I mean, with, 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 with saying do what you gotta do, brother, would that basically be consent? Oh, you're giving me consent to do whatever I want. No, to, you know? no, no, no. You're not telling him what you're gonna do. You're telling him, look, man, I'm not doing anything. I'm not answering anything. I can't stop you. Do what you're gonna do. Do what you want to yeah. do. You're telling them to do what uh, can't can't mankind all mankind do what they wish? Yeah, no, I got you. What you want to do, man? Whatever you want. I mean, look, I could tell you. I mean, it's like you could talk to anybody, your spouse, your kids. Say, do what you think you want to do. That doesn't mean there's not consequences. I've told you, I've given you the best advice I can give you, baby. If you want to go out and cheat on me, that's up to you. Do what you're going to do. If she does it, then, you know, now you know where you stand, right? If she doesn't, then you know where you stand. You can't make them do anything or not do anything, but you can control what you do, and that would be just shut up. Because the more you antagonize the police, man, I'll tell you, there's a difference in the cop when I was a cop and the young ones today. Because the young ones today didn't fight like we did. They will shoot you much faster, in my opinion. I've talked about this with many cops, and they've said all these new rookie guys haven't been in many fights, and they're used to a lot of backup. And Because uh, now the schools are so controlled because there's law enforcement in there now. So there's not as many fights. There's not as many life lessons going on. So what happens when you take somebody who's 21 years old 22 years old, and you put them in a patrol car, they have no life experience, a bunch of college debt, they've never been in a fight, and you hand them a uniform, a gun, mace, and a club, and you tell them to go out and handle somebody like me. Or John. Or somebody like that. Like somebody who knows how to handle themselves and knows how to talk. That is dangerous. Because they don't want to hear anything. Well, that kind of goes circles back around to the beginning of your your thing about police state nine eleven and stuff. I mean, that's how they want these young men and women. You know, they want hey, them. Uh, yeah. Hey, way. gentlemen, Absolutely. we have a we have a hand up, so I'm gonna unmute another caller. Nicole, you've been unmuted. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, yes, we can hear you. Oh, okay. I, and this is my first time calling in, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to speak. Um, I'm new into learning about common law, and I am in New York, and I don't know if anybody is following what's been going on in New York, but in June, we lost our religious exemption. And so you guys are talking about schools and how the government controls the students in the schools and we in New York as parents um, have lost our ability to send our kids to school based on religious exemption. So basically New York State is telling us that we have to 
vaccinate our children or they cannot go to school. And so I, I wanted to know if we could have a conversation about um, government control in schools and whether or not common law applies. Does well, that make sense? Uh, let, let me ask you this real quick. Have you ever thought about, um, are you in New York City or are you in the, uh, you know, like the upstate or? Upstate. Okay. Do you have a, a social group or a community of like-minded people who, you know, don't agree with the vaccination? Yes, I'm in many groups and nobody is familiar with common law and we're all just kind of pulling at strings at this point to try to fight the government, which obviously is never going to change their mind. You know, vaccinations is becoming extremely mandated, not only in the United States, but across the world. And so this was, you know, an opportunity that I had to reach out to all of you who have an understanding about common law um, to see, you know, and kind of pick your brains as to your thinking. Have so, you ever considered yeah. homeschooling? And that is obviously an alternative. And then we see what just happened in California where they are pushing a bill through to mandate vaccinations even for homeschooling children. Well, there is where the common law would come in. Absolutely. Um, no, so basically. If you wish to compel a performance out of me, hand me the bill. I mean, hand me the check first. <laughs> well, I, I mean, but there are certain things that's like you couldn't pay me enough money to do. <laughs> um, you know, which is why uh, the controlling elite control the education of people is because for instance, people who go and learn about law, like most people who go into law school, in fact, I don't know anybody who went to law school who didn't go there with ideological views, like in their first year when they were going into law school, you know, I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to make a change. Um, I'm going to be the change. And then, of course, by three years of indoctrination and being told that you basically can't effectively make change because of how the system's set up um everybody's changed when they come out but uh you know you can't buy some of those people's morals but if you can control their education to where they think that they don't have another option um you don't have to buy their morals so i mean i'm i'm in agreement that they couldn't pay me enough to stick God knows what into my body and into my bloodstream. But as far as the public school goes, uh, the Supreme Court has ruled numerous times since 2001, since we're speaking of 9-11 tonight. And when they have your kid at school, your kid's not even your kid anymore. Like your kid is literally the school's property when they're at school at the public school and this is a pretty scary concept but legally this is the way it works and i think if more parents knew that they would be less likely to put their kids in public schoolings and this is why uh the rise of um 
you know, chartered schools and private schools are going up tremendously is because of issues like what you're talking about right now. And because of the fact that when you send your kid to a public school, while your child's at that public school, you have no right to say what they learn, what they don't learn, um, what they do to the child at school, what they put in their body. In almost every state, typically school districts uh, or the school system of that state has sovereign immunity from being sued. So even if a teacher beats the crap out of your kid, they have sovereign immunity. I mean, something has to be incredibly disturbed and messed up and a lot of people have to complain before they'll actually allow something into court when it's dealing with the school and there has to be beyond more than enough grounds uh so uh, sexual uh sexual assault uh, uh, sexual issues are the uh probably the side to that hey but can i show you how common law would let me show you ma'am how common law would work okay okay to 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 a large degree i would agree with jc but except for putting in their bodies like they they couldn't forcibly take your kid down and get it vaccinated without your permission or without some kind of judgment but here in my opinion i don't i don't think that would happen but uh i will tell you this think about it in this concept so let's say you get a call to go down to the school and this is exactly what it means to be a woman okay Mm -hmm. somebody calls you and says come down to the school miss smith i want to talk to you you go down there and there's this panel three or four people and they go look little little cindy or jimmy whether it's a son or a daughter um you have to get him vaccinated and you have to do it today and you go really so where do you believe you have the authority to tell me that well he's he's a member of our school and as long as he's a member of our school and you're a resident of this community uh yeah da, 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 da. okay so what yeah now just think about yeah. this now think about this okay now listen to what i'm asking you I'm going to Walmart because I love aisle three of Walmart. You run into me at Walmart, and I look at you and I say, you better get your kid vaccinated today. What would you tell me? I would tell you you to. Right. I would tell you to mind your own business. Okay. There you go. So you're talking to this panel, and they go, well, he's in our school, so we have authority. What would you say then? I would, under my understanding of how the government works and what the school system does, I would comply if I didn't know any better. And yeah, I would look so at him and tell, uh, kiss my ass. How about this? Uh, he just quit school. Let's go, Jim. Now you don't have any authority. Right. Ah. Exactly. And so. Right, now, what, what, come back here. You got to teach him. I'll teach him on my own time. You guys have a good day. Bye. Walk his little butt right out to the car. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah, I definitely I definitely understand what you're saying and homeschooling, you know, is not favored by you know, family members and other people and Who cares? neither and neither is not vaccinating. Um, you know, because of, you know, what the government tells us about vaccines and all of this and public school is the best and yada yada and we can't even send our kids to 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 private school now because they are under the same mandate. And so I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying about, you know, the school can't tell me what to do 
you know, and they're going to say, and we have confronted the school. Let me just preface by saying that. And they say their hands are tied under New York State. Well, what happened to all of our, you, you know, what happened to to all of our rights since the 1700s? Okay. They just disappear That's on, the answer. On, they're telling you, you know? They're telling you the truth. They're telling you the absolute truth. Their hands are tied. You know why? Because the school is a creature of the state. It's public school. Yes. Therefore, it's under public yep. mandate. It's under public policy. And that's what the United States and the states, they're not under the Constitution, first of all. They're moving under public policy. That's an absolute fact. And, and secondly, and this is not – I'm not trying to be facetious and I'm not trying to be rude. You have no rights under the Constitution of your state. You have no rights under the Constitution of the United States because it wasn't drafted for you. It has nothing to do with you. That is a private corporate contract in admiralty jurisdiction, and it has nothing to do with common law man or woman. Your rights come yeah. from the creator, and that's where your rights come from. And as a man or a woman, the, the last thing you care is what does other people care about what you're doing. Because there's right. a million – there was a cool meme I saw on Facebook. It said there's thousands of you, like all the people that went to school with you. Every individual one of those people have a vision or, or a, they've made a person out of you. Like the way they see you, they see you in a certain way, and your coworkers see you in a certain way, and your wife sees you in a certain way. You even see yourself in a certain way, and none of them are who you really are. Those are all just pieces of you. And, and the same kind of thing is reading true when you splinter yourself into a system like, you know, I'm playing resident, I'm playing citizen, I'm playing mommy and, and daddy and, and driver and, and taxpayer and all these things. All, you know, you cannot, to be a man or a woman, you've got to look at it more philosophical. If somebody, look, somebody tries to put a needle in my daughter's arm without my consent, I'm ripping their arm out of the socket. I'll say it right here live on the air. Nobody is putting a needle on my daughter without my consent, period, period. And yes, I'm willing to die for that. So that's the kind of – that's what a man or a woman would do. It's like, no, thank you. I don't require your help. Well, you have to get vaccinated. Are you giving me legal advice? Did I give you power of attorney? Well, yeah, because you let your kid go to school here. Okay, I just removed him from the school. There, he doesn't go to school anymore. Now you have no authority. Anything else? Well, where are you going to teach him? None of your business. Have a good day. Is that yeah, a dangerous right position to take? Yeah, it's kind of a dangerous position because you live in a society of zombies. Yeah, you can't we're think all for like in control. Exactly, exactly. Nobody can think outside the box, and we're all just do to do, being little soldiers, doing what we're told by the government and the state, and. Nobody has the ability, even my own family members cannot even think for themselves. It's like these vaccines are very dangerous. If you, and I must say, you know, I'm an ex-vaxxer. So my son is mostly vaxxed, my daughter is not. And my daughter has more immunity to the vaccines than my son who is vaccinated. He doesn't have any immunity. And yep. it's it's just, there's the, there's the science right there. I don't need to do a study or provide any kind of research or anything. And I know it's in a vaccine and you're going to, the state just is going to take away our rights and tell us what we have to inject into our bodies. And people think I'm crazy. I'm not going to let that happen. But then I, you know, homeschooling. Yeah, maybe I could homeschool, you know, we'd have to sell our house. I'd have to quit my job 
and to what extent do you do you go to protect your children? I guess you do all of the above, right? Well, like, I know what I would this do. This is where I was asking, you know, if you have a a local support group because if you're going through these issues and you feel this way there's a pretty good chance that there are other people who are in your local area who feel the same way that you do um and of course i mean personally i don't think that people should home kid homeschool their children at their own house alone i believe the kids are social creatures kind of like people are and i think there are a whole lot of benefits to the social structure of something like school. Uh, I've kind of been following some of the things that have been going on out in California, and it's it's starting to look fairly scary. Like, uh, I think it was about a month or a month and a half ago, the state raided a private school with no warrant on the basis that they got several calls, like, you know, enough calls that uh, children at that school were, uh, using drugs and selling drugs. <clears throat> of course, they didn't find any drugs there and they didn't arrest anybody. Um, so some of the things that are going on is pretty insane. I could definitely see the state kind of mandating because, you know, what Shaman's talking about with the school, the public school being a creature of the state, that's absolutely correct. <clears throat> and then if, if, uh, public school or private school goes and gets a charter from the state to have a business to be a private school and they get certified and licensed, they're also a creature of the state, you know, so the state can mandate them on, on the policies and different things that they have to have to qualify to be able to get their charter. Wait just a second. <clears throat> to be able to get their charter and get the documentation certifications that they have to have but you can absolutely and here's where i agree with shaman again you can absolutely take your kid out and if there is a group if there is a group of support you know uh i have a good friend who grew up in in kind of a religious community and i think the entire high school was like 213 kids and they had um, 10 or 14 teachers that were teaching them and it was all local community based and you could be in classes where you know you have three different grades in one class and so if you were thinking about doing something like that my best suggestion would be to get with other people who are having similar issues and that way not everybody has to quit their job sell their house move somewhere you know it's like okay who are we going to decide to be the teacher and then everybody else in my opinion should donate to them or help support them because obviously whoever's teaching the kids is going to have to leave the school or leave the workforce um so they gotta survive somehow and the state can't do anything about that now as far as if the state were actually for instance, you brought up California and them talking about making vaccinations mandatory, like even for children who are homeschooled. Well, I would yeah. say the way I would deal with that is kind of like DSS. You know, you've heard about people dealing with uh, social services or child protective services or something like that. Yes. Yep. 
Okay, and, and always those people try and come over and they try and say that you have to open up your house and you have to talk with them and you have to do this, that, and the other. Right. Okay, well, if you just close the door on them and you never open the door to your home and you tell them to go get a warrant and come back, because that that's common law there, okay? They have to have a warrant to come into your house. They have to have a warrant, um, you know, to... Uh, search or seize your property or persons. Um, and so if they tried coming and basically saying that you have to go get a vaccination or your child has to go get a vaccination, I would tell them to go get a warrant. You know, if you wish to come into my home, if you wish to do this, that, or the other, you're going to have to have a legitimate warrant. And when they leave, I would call down to the magistrate's office immediately and I'd tell them, hey, somebody's going to come and ask you for a warrant and I'm going to require you bond that warrant and secure it for $2 million. And hmm. I, I can pretty much guarantee you that nobody's going to sign a warrant and bond it and secure it for $2 million. And you have that right to make them do that because, you know, if if they're getting a warrant, then they're breaking some type of entry. And if they break some type of entry, if no criminal activity is being done, they're going to have to pay for the damages. Right. And that that's the common law. Like, that's law right there. Um, as far as forcing the school to do something or forcing the state to do something <clears throat> um, that's against their policies, codes, or statutes, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's kind of a lost cause because just like you don't wish for anybody to force you or to force your children to get vaccinated, you can't go and force other people to do things that you wish they would do. That's a good point. It, it's yeah, a two-way really street. Right. And so we have a lot of people and a lot of attorneys right now uh, in New York State. We've filed two, um, two attorneys have filed two different types of lawsuits, one um, challenging all of the kids with disabilities and then one challenging the New York's or I'm sorry, the U.S. Constitution. And we have another set of attorneys who are filing based under the New York Constitution, which states that religious liberties are guaranteed forever for all human uh, humankind, I think is the exact terminology. And at this point, I feel like it's a lost cause. I mean, you're, you're, I mean, this anti-vaccination movement has been going on for since the early 1900s. And look, I, you know, I didn't know about it growing up. And here we are all these years later, and we're going through the same thing and it's just getting worse and worse. And I think maybe removing ourselves from the system, the government system, the government controlled system is our only way out. You know, once people stop using the system, maybe they'll, you know, realize, you know, maybe they won't realize there's just, you can't, you, you can't fight these laws. You can't fight these protections, these religious liberties that we've had for years and years and go against the government and just, what, what are you fighting for to get something they're never going to give you? Well, I, I actually agree with you 100%. We talk about this a fair amount about how people should, um, walk away and, and walk out of the system and people can do that. And one thing is that it's incredibly difficult to do unless you have a lot of resources or a good network 
of people. And of course, there are some people who are more entrenched in the system than others. I mean, for instance, myself, I've never, ever filed a tax return ever since I was 18 years old. So I've never stepped into the tax system. I've never contracted with the IRS. And I've absolutely never heard anything from them about it. And I know for a fact that I've been reported to the IRS for not paying taxes. So I think that walking away from the system is an incredibly good idea, but it's almost impossible without a network of people. You know, for instance, the Amish people, they're completely outside of the system and the state has never even hinted at the idea of saying that they have to go get vaccinated because they wouldn't mm -hmm. comply. Right. Yeah. And they're not a part of the system. Hey, right. If I may, yeah. I'd like to address mm -hmm. another thing. Did you not say you said you got a couple attorneys and stuff like that, right? Uh, I didn't No, not personally myself, but this, um, the children's you health heard. defense. Um, okay. Robert F. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. So people that are like-minded, like you, went to went that route with the courts, correct? Correct. Okay. Something else we say in the show all the time is words are very important. I don't know how long you've been on the show tonight, but if if you don't understand the language, right? Mm -hmm. JC said earlier they're speaking a different language. They're literally speaking what's called dog Latin. Okay, so you think you're hearing English. Like we had a gentleman, I think it was like three weeks ago, on the show that came on and was reading Title 18, 13, something, it was either 13 or 33, 38 or something, I don't remember. But one of the words in it was obligation. And I, I clicked on Cornell Law and I was explaining to him, obligation means this in this statute, but it doesn't mean it in the statute before it or after it. They literally change the meanings of the terms. They're not definitions, right? So mm -hmm. if you understand what words mean, do you know what the word a, a turn means? No. It means to transfer a good or service. It means to transfer a good or service from one lord or entity to another, okay? Like a king, a lord, or, or some other entity. And the suffix "y" is the act of doing. So when you hire an attorney, you're literally in the process of turning your goods, you, over to something else. And what is that? Well, what does a what does an attorney do? He represents you, right? So if you were at school and they say they're calling out roll call, you would say present, right? Yes. Okay. What happens when you're represent? It's not rep. It's not represent. It's represent. So when you represent yourself as through an attorney, you're no longer presenting yourself as woman. You are now representing yourself as a person or a persona or a form on which the government has placed you, which is a defendant, a, a respondent, a petitioner. Um, you see what I'm saying? Pro se. Yeah. These are these are okay. These are terms of art that are private, copyrighted law. Has nothing to do with you. Just like the Constitution has nothing to do with you. And what happens is, is you're thinking, oh, okay, I, oh, this, oh yeah, I saw this on National Liberty Alliance. Are you familiar with those guys? You're up in New York, right? 
Well, You're familiar with the, uh, National Liberty, the National Liberty Alliance? I'm not familiar. Is that a group? Thank, well, no, thank God. Stay, no, thank God you're not. <laughs> Stay away from them. It was false crap. The guy was an attorney going under an assumed name, getting all these people to believe in common law grand juries, which has nothing to do with nothing. And yet all these people around the country, like, we're going to get common law grand juries. Dude, that's not how it works. And he knew that. He was misleading people. He hung up on me like three times. But... But when you understand the terms are different than definitions, and there's a couple places you can go, and we recommend them all the time, is Lessons in English by Sarah Lockwood. I think it was in 1858. That's one John turned me on to. Webster's Unabridged, first edition, 1828, okay? And uh-huh. uh, and then you want to get on YouTube and, uh-huh. and watch a series. It's a six-part series called The New History of America. Mm-hmm. with the informer and then james montgomery is also and um and then there's a, a website called patriotism and other bs and the you'll when you listen to that guy he will explain to you this 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 guy is a great researcher and he will explain to you why what a state is the colony how the United States technically did not win the Revolutionary War. You can read the Treaty of Paris, and you can see that the king was the arch-treasurer of the United States. Canada ceded to the Union. Um, just a plethora of information. I mean, it's, it's so much information. It'll show you and document it, give you page numbers. He explains why you believe what you believe is a lie. And when you yeah, get that, incredible. that's mm-hmm. when you're going to understand, oh, my God. I have been programmed my whole life to think this way. And hopefully that will give your mind the ammunition it needs to break because you have to unlearn what you've learned, right? Exactly. And that's that's the challenging part. You I literally have to read you know, I I have a friend um, who's in this group and who's been helping me and recommended me to you guys. And I literally have to read things two or three times and think about it all day long before it finally sinks in because we're tr- we're, we're taught to only learn that we have to follow the government. We have to do what they tell us. We have to follow the laws. Now we have no religious rights, so we have to do what we're told and get vaccinated. You know, it's just it's just incredible to learn that there's a different way of doing things when we've been doing it for so long one way. It's just, it's very eye-opening. Yeah, and when you, like, I remember when it really hit me, I was actually sitting in a, in a U.S. Marshal's office <laughs> when, it, when it really just rolled over me, and I, I finally got, like, I had it in my mind, and I had most of it in my heart, but when it finally resonated, like, where I... I knew the answer. I just shook my head and smiled. And it was a like JC was there. He witnessed it. You know, he and I worked together. We worked. The creator gave us the answers. I went in there. And, and people can argue all they want to. But if you'd been there, you'd understand. Um, when it finally hits you, you'll never be the same. 
Yeah. You I can't will wait never for that day. <laughs> it's just it's like it's just so much. It's so much to learn. It's so much. Like I'm looking at a document right now that says memorandum for all executive departments and agencies signed by the attorney general federal law protections for religious liberties it says the president has instructed me to issue these guidelines so that all administrative agencies and executive departments can execute the federal law protecting religious liberty and it's like this federal law doesn't even exist new york state took it away it's like it doesn't even apply well in, in fact you know that's something where, because I'm guessing I'm actually kind of interested in the lawsuits um, because that's kind of on the civil side. And I think things like this should be brought from every angle possible. Uh, so I was wondering if you could maybe email me the information on those cases and where they're at. But that's actually probably a pretty good idea is if they're taking it to federal court and challenging the fact that um, because at the time of the Civil War, when the Civil War happened, the federal government conquered the state governments. And so the states really can't do anything outside of federal law. And that would be an interesting thing on the civil side of it is for an attorney to challenge it in the federal courts. So, but I'm, yeah, that I'm one would. Of, sorry. Well, I'm kind of interested in and in some of that stuff and and seeing what's going on with the courts. Uh, do you have our email address? Uh, I do not. No. Okay, it's J C, A N D, S H A, M A N at gmail.com and i'll also put it up in the chat before we get off but uh typically we end at 11 o'clock so i'm going to go ahead and call it here pretty soon but i am interested in and yeah. what's going on and i appreciate you coming out and sharing um your concerns and and story with us and you should come back next week and we'll follow up on it because uh, there's okay. a lot to talk about around this particular subject of children and school and vaccinations. Vaccinations is a really, really big thing going on right now. And I'm actually really appreciative that you're reaching out to us because I believe that more people who are concerned about vaccines should get into starting to learn and understand the common law. Because even though it won't help you keep your child at school and not get vaccinated, just like you're talking about if they make some type of mandate or some type of policy where they're gonna come and try and come into your home and vac vaccinate your children, people should definitely be standing up for that on, on the front line. You know, they shouldn't yeah. be running to attorneys and going to courts and this and that. They should know what to do whenever an officer of the state knocks on their door. So thank, yeah. thank hey, you for coming out and finding thank us. Thank you. Hey, if I if I may, on the very when you started reading that document, mm -hmm. just the header, just who wrote it and who was it written to? Okay, so the heading um is, is the header is Office of the Attorney General, Washington D.C., mm -hmm. October 6, 2017. It says Memorandum for All Executive Departments and Agencies. It's from the Attorney General. 
right. the subject. So, so mm-hmm. well, what I was going to say, and and this is going to probably sound a little facetious, but it's not. So, can anybody tell you what to believe? Um, like, I can mean, anybody make you believe? Well, no. can anybody make you believe? Okay. Okay. So, can anybody remove a belief from you? Remove a belief. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, if you, you learn... believe something, can somebody yeah. take it away from you? No. Not nobody no, can but... take your belief away. Right. The only person that can take your belief away is you. Right. Now, that doesn't mean they won't kill you. I'm not saying that there's not danger. What I'm saying is, it's like, you're like, the government is taking away our religious exemptions. You said that at the beginning, okay? So this is not a reprimand, and I don't want to come across like that. But it's a way of thinking, right? So, like, somebody walks up and says, hey, Sean, you can't believe that playing drums is okay anymore. Or, Sean, you can't believe in Yeshua anymore. That is mm-hmm. the only thing that's going to do is annoy me. Like it, right, there's, exactly. it's just like prayer in school. Like how are you going to tell me? Like, you could say whatever you wish, but so like is that letter? You know, when you're reading some document like that, it's written to somebody. It's just like a statute. If you're not specifically mentioned in it, um, it's not for you. But what if you're a citizen? See. Like, common law is kind of an interesting thing. It's really natural law, in my opinion. I don't believe it's common law because that's a bigger debate, but it's a type of common law. Mm-hmm. But it's it's multifaceted. There's layer after layer. It's like an onion, right? So, like, let's say you're uh, paying taxes, you have a driver's license, and you're doing – you got bank accounts, you have all these things, Right. You're acting as a citizen, right? Right. Okay. The United States has control over those citizens. Just like when your kid's in school, they have control over the kid. Because what you're doing is you're allowing representatives to handle your affairs. In other words, you're signing the power of attorney over. You've taken on the form of this persona, a persona of what? A taxpayer or a uh, mother of a kid. And when you start looking up these things and you start thinking about them, literally what you're doing, like when your kid went to school, you had to go and present birth certificate and you had to fill out forms and all this stuff, right? Right, yeah. Yep. Okay, so if I take it, let's say you put a glass on the table and it's shaped funny, and I take a, stra- a regular glass that has the same amount of water, say it's 16 ounces, and I pour it into your glass, the water now takes on the form of your glass, right? Right. So it's no longer in my form but yours. Exactly. You see? So when you're filling out their forms and you're filling, like you fill out a driver's license form, you now take on the persona of a driver. That's a commercial term, and the policy enforcer, police, have jurisdiction and authority over that driver's license. Why? Because the state created it. They authored it. That's what authority is. There's your why again, right? Author it. Why? the act of doing there they created that person and it's like jc was talking about that very thing earlier about who you know authority and jurisdiction and all those things that he was using as examples earlier when when you figure out who you are like if you really want to learn law 
first figure out what you believe. Don't try to figure out what the state's saying. Don't try to figure out what – because there is no state. There is no government. There's somebody named Tim, Johnny, Susie, Timmy who is acting as a government agent, right? Mm-hmm. Like do you think the attorney general's wife calls him attorney general? Hey, I I hate to cut it short, but um, you know, I mean, it's, it's thank you guys. Close to eleven thirty, and I, I got some other things to do this evening. So, sorry for interrupting you, Shaman. But um, that's alright. Uh, thank you, Nicole, for no coming worries. out, and I hope we see yes. you here next week. Yes, we'll do, and I will email you um the all the lawsuits and everything that we're going through right now and here. Uh, in New York, and um, I will be on next week. Guys, have a good night. Thanks so much for all your help. Okay, you're welcome, and thank, thank you, you for coming out. And uh, just some announcements before I let everybody say their goodbyes if they wish. Um, next week is, I believe, the 18th, so September 18th at 9 o'clock. We will be doing the talk show again. Uh, you know, and that's, of course, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I wish to take this time to go ahead and thank everybody who came out tonight and participated in the show. And uh, once again, kind of send my condolences to the families of the victims of 9-11. That was a tragic point in history, and we've really lost a lot of ground and a lot of rights since the Twin Towers came down. And with that, uh, anybody who wishes to say good night, um, take your time, and I'm, I'll be ending the call here in a couple of minutes. But thanks, everybody, for coming out once again. Yep, thanks. It was a good show. It was a good show tonight. Thanks, thanks Money Mike. Money Mike. <laughs> Jinx. Ha ha ha. So are you, are you having a show after this? Are you having a call after this? No, no, I'm going to have mine uh, tomorrow on uh, right after Angela's call. Cool. Well, thanks for coming out. Do you want to make a shout out, like uh, give everybody your call ID and information for tomorrow? Yes. Uh, thank you. Uh, my number for my talk show uh, tomorrow is at uh, uh, 10 p.m. Central. Uh, and it's going to be the number is. One four two three zero six. Cool. Hey JC, when you get done, can you give me a call real quick? Um, yeah, for just a yeah. minute. Hey, um, yeah. I have a, another question, real quick. I just realized something. I I found out that I have both the volume and the gain turned up all the way on these things. How do I sound? Uh, you sound fine right now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. There's no background noise. No, not really. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm done with you guys. Uh, I'll see you guys. Hey. Huh? JC, one thing oh. before we hang up. I just happened across this picture. Everybody, look up the Windsor Tower in Madrid, Spain. Burned for 20 plus hours and never collapsed. Dude, this this whole building is in caked in flame, dude. And the whole structure is still standing. Windsor Tower, Madrid, Spain.
Well, it burned it. Well, it, well, it burned it really low temperatures. <laughs> well, the well, the well, the build, well, the towers burned at like much hotter temperature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All blah 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 blah. Yeah. Or, you know. I, I, all I right, guys. Good night, everybody. See y'all. Right, good night, everyone. I'm gonna end the call now. Hope to see y'all here next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.